Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Ed, Nathan, welcome back. Hello. Hello, Jason. Thank you for having us back. Nah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 it's my pleasure. I was glad my schedule opened up so we could all be here. Jason yeah. is the host of the... Yeah, Jason's uh, the host. The, We're just the, the church guest. foyer. Yes. <laughs> Anytime you come to the church, you'll find right. Jason. We go, hey, welcome to the church foyer. Jason has just yet to time. find anybody else who will sit with him here and talk about <laughs> these things. As soon as he can get better quality guests, he will get them. When you hear him say that, welcome our fine podcast office. Jason, Ed, Nathan, <laughs> and nobody's here. <laughs> Nobody else wanted to come. Nobody right. else. But you're here. We're here. We're glad. We are. We We're glad to be here. With yes. You. Thank you for asking us, Jason. You're, you're very welcome. Jason, you you got you got some some headlines for us. I see you got some stuff oh, written down. I, I have headlines. I still, you know, as the old person, I can't get in my mind. We're doing this. Don't you? <laughs> don't you love? That's your favorite segment, Ed. It is. Don't you just love it? I always forget it because I had such good time the last time. Yeah, All right. True. <laughs> So we have some headlines, and uh, here they are. Man allegedly hid from coronavirus and from the authorities in a Chicago airport for three months. Those two things don't sound like they're yeah, linked. Yeah, I don't know how you do both. Uh, they if they are. from the coronavirus. Well, yeah. I know. I guess if you but saw... it's only allegedly he, he did it. Well, you, it's, it's news. You have to say allegedly <laughs> until he's convicted. Oh, okay. So... I'm assuming that the hiding from the coronavirus was that he was in an airport where nobody was, and is that he just never had contact with anybody, so he was able to. Well, I'm gonna start saying things like Joel allegedly wants to be here for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's pretty certain. He didn't want to be here. No, a California man was arrested Saturday, accused of hiding in a restricted area of Chicago's O'Hare Airport for three months. Man told police that COVID-19 had rendered him too scared to travel home to California. So he hid in the airport, surviving on food provided by strangers. So the guy was on his way home. He got scared and hid out and would not fly home. Oh, oh, oh. The hiding from the coronavirus was he was scared of the coronavirus. Yes. He was hiding from it. And we all know airports are the one place the coronavirus cannot come. I guess. Or he thought it was in California and didn't want to go there. so. All right. Well, good on you, I guess. So what was he going to get arrested for? Well, it says uh, he faces felony charges of criminal trespass in a restricted area of the airport, as well as misdemeanor theft charges. So I'm guessing he probably uh-huh. stole some stuff while he was there. Like he had to eat so. or something. He Maybe stole that's food. what he was hiding from. <laughs> Going to jail. <laughs> well, you know, if you can survive for three months in an airport, I, I'm just I saying. Up. What's now the I'm end of that sentence I, there, I'm Jason? Saying, You're going to go live in the airport? I'm just having some ideas of oh. maybe, you know, you want to save right. a, a little bit of cash. There's, there's, that, a, Tom there's that Tom Hanks, Hanks movie. movie. I was going to yeah. say, there's a Tom Hanks is movie. There, that I think everybody thought was based on a true story, but it is not based it on a true now. story. Well, it's, I mean, I, it, it was like loosely based on a true story, but like the, the country that he's from in the movie is not a real country. Namibia. So. I don't remember the name of the country, but and he because he's doing some accent that isn't an accent, so it's like roughly uh, Eastern European. It says also here. I just saw this. This the guy had somehow gotten himself a fake ID badge, and he was using it to stay in these uh, restricted know, areas. There's a lot more you explain about this story. The yeah. less it sounds yeah. like he was afraid of the coronavirus. Well, I'm thinking he really didn't. Have, if you could stay somewhere three months and your family or somebody didn't contact you, I don't think he had a home to go to. Maybe not. 
or at least nobody to go nobody to. Nobody to go to. That's nor, sad. No job or anything. Yeah, these are supposed to be funny, Jason. You know, sad. I don't know what you guys are noticing, but while we're doing this, Joel is gathering garbage cans. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know. It's don't to know. be his desk. Oh, okay. Uh, to be his desk oh, for his I laptop. Oh, I got it now. <laughs> I, noticed Joel, I thought the same thing. I thought, why is Joel gathering garbage cans? He's preparing to go live in an airport. <laughs> he got to go get his trash if for his I airport. I would live in an airport. <laughs> this is how he would do it. This for you for yes. three months. Wow. Okay. So there, there's that. I, I now have a new idea. Living in an airport. Oh, live in an airport. Uh-huh. Gotcha. All right. Here's here's our second one, and this is going to be it for today. Um, and I don't know. This one might uh, this one might be a little touchy. All right. All right. Atlantic City is offering bidders the chance to blow up. A former Trump casino. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it seems very aggressive. It does. They're going to blow it up like demolish it? Yeah, it says... Uh, it went bankrupt. It's like been, it's been apparently uh, vacant for about six years. It's the Trump Plaza Hotel yeah. and Casino on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. Yep. And uh, uh, they're wanting to get rid of it. And so they're offering. They're trying to obviously trying to make some Trump money. The Trump Casino is, is offering for people to blow it up. Oh, no, see. I think I think whoever owns it's the it city now. officials. Oh, it went because it went bankrupt. The yes. the, the building itself has been yes. foreclosed upon. Yes, yes. Uh, the city is trying to do it. And and here's the good: they're going to take the proceeds of whatever they get from the bidders. Uh, they're going to auction, or, or, it's, or it's the auction is going to benefit the boys and girls clubs of Atlanta. That's city. good news. Yeah, so, that is good. so basically, That's at least good news. but here's the weird thing to me I when I was reading the story. The only thing you're bidding for is the ability to press the button. And they say here that you can do it remotely from wherever you are. So okay. you could sit at your computer and hit then a button. That means How that do you button know that don't do nothing? That's because right. what that means is you hit a button from your laptop in noon in Georgia, and then some dude goes, oh, he pushed the button. And then he pushes the button, the button for what it is. Oh, we know that's what Joel's doing on the garbage can over there. <laughs> Joel is bidding currently right now that's right. on eBay.com for the Trump Casino. Or he's the guy they hired. He That's a part of his part-time work. Gotcha. Is he is the guy to push the button yes. when he gets a notification. There you go. Well, that would be fun to get to blow up a building, I guess. But I, I was going to say, push I, it, I would push like it. to blow something up. Yeah, but to push the button doesn't sound that yeah, bad. It doesn't seem that fun. It's yeah, someone cool. else did all the, all the cool work of figuring out how to blow it up safely. And I don't know that that's cool work. Oh, I, I think know. it's cool. Getting to figure out how to blow something up without hurting anybody, because they got to figure all that. They got to set the yeah. charges. They got to yep. figure out how to make, you know, I guess where you put them structurally to make sure that it, yeah. Yeah, I Im- guess they call them implosions, implosions right? Yeah, they're yeah. going to implode it. Because I have exploded some things and put a lot of people oh, in danger. Yeah. 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 And and it was not a good idea. I've started a grill or two in my time that's had enough explosion to lift the lid. I yeah. put some aerosol. Singed, can- I've singed yeah. some hairs on my face. Yeah, yeah. I so put like a couple that. aerosol cans and some stuff, and we thought we were being safe because we had we didn't want the explosion to be too bad. This was when I was in high school, and so we took an aerosol can, we set a bonfire, and we put a bunch of heavy stuff on top of the aerosol uh-huh. can because we thought, well, if it's got a bunch of rocks and pieces of metal on top, that'll keep the explosion huh. from being bad. Not understanding what shrapnel was when we were <laughs> child, children. And so having lots of glass and, and didn't realize wow. we had made a a, 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 a dirty bomb of sorts. It's amazing so, you're alive. Yeah, well, that's more true for lots of different things. Yeah. One of my kids the other day, I heard some banging on the house and I went outside and they had a giant rock and they were hitting the gas line. <laughs> banging on the gas line and I said what are you doing and they said 
I don't know. And I said, <laughs> you're just hitting the gas. Apparently. I said, I know I often say this is very dangerous and you don't believe me. This thing was actually pretty dangerous. <laughs> it was really dangerous. You blow up our whole, our whole house. Wow. And I said, you know, about on Christmas morning, we had to call the gas company because we smelled a gas link. And now I'm thinking it was just one of my kids <laughs> banging on the gas line. So luckily I did not smell, smell nor hear any anything. But wow. you never know. So if my house explodes, it was one of my... We know who fault. to come yeah. see. All right. So today we do have several questions. Thanks to our um, listeners. We've been getting lots of questions. So we get thank questions. you guys for sending lots of questions in. Um, it, we're going to do our best, Adam. It probably means we're very confusing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. More, our, our answers lead to more, <laughs> more questions. More questions. So <laughs> you guys just stop and you might figure all this out. So anyway. All right. Here's the first question. And, and it's a great one. Um, st- stuff I've thought about before. And uh, we'll see if there's a decent Jason answer. sent this question. No, no I didn't. <laughs> But I thought. Do this. you love Jason? <laughs> we do. Yes, we no. do. Given that God is such a loving Father of all creation, why would He choose death as an atonement for sin in the first place? Back in the Garden of Eden, why make an innocent animal die, knowing that this would lead to the torturous death of His own Son? So, boiling it down, why is death the thing that leads to the forgiveness of sin? And the reason you're hearing silence is because that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, is there, is a, no there is a mystery answer. to it. And yeah. I, I just talked about this uh, a few weeks back when I was setting up communion in our online service. And I talked about um, that there is a mystery to the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we do when we remember Jesus' death is we, we ponder that a little bit. And we're kind of in awe for a moment of mm-hmm. wondering, what is it that, that happened there all I can see is that there's an act of love being done on my behalf, and I don't exactly necessarily know how it works. I mean, there are images that the Bible gives us, don't get me wrong, about how that might work out. But in the end, there is mystery to that whole thing. Yeah. Well, and even the, even the images, and Jesus himself talks about his death, death they're, they're, they're all either analogies or some kind of metaphor, he doesn't sit down and, and write out a manual of, and when I die, here are the processes that will take that's place right. in yeah. order. Because that's not even, re- and I don't even think that's really the right way to think about any of that stuff because by and large, everything Jesus is doing is in the context of relationship and story. He's talking about things that have come before and things that lead that are happening now. And so when we try to think of a, what was the exact process, I do think sometimes we get ourselves, and I'll just say this, people, Christians, get themselves into, at times, a legalism about things, mm-hmm. which is, well, if Jesus' death accomplished X, Y, and Z, these are the ways mm-hmm. that it did it, then here's kind of the loopholes that I can still have That's the right. death apply to me, but not really do anything Jesus asked me to do because mm. the death was covering this thing or doing this thing. Or, yeah. And I think we get ourselves in, in, a, in a bad position on that. That's not to say this is a bad question. It's to say that when we get too deep into the idea of this, the way it often gets referred to is like theories of atonement, of what happened on the cross? Atonement just means the easiest way to do it is it means atonement, right? Is that it's it's what brought us back together the way yeah. Paul would say it is reconciled us to Christ. We know something happened on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross did something 
that took us, which was broken and set apart, from, I mean, set, separated from God and brought us back into relationship with God and one another. That part is clear from the Bible, mm-hmm. that through Christ, God has reconciled Something all happened. things. Yeah. But as you've said, there's kind of a mystery around, oh, well, what happened? Yeah, because because even the bigger part of this question, I think, uh-huh. is not what, but why. Mm. Right? And why death? I, I I think when Jason was first telling me about this question, my thought what I t- I told him I said my answer is normally I I don't have an answer to why God does things unless God decides to tell me why right. sure, He does things. Honestly, that's true about everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't. I don't have. I don't know why you did what you did, unless you tell me why you yeah. did what you did. I can, mm-hmm. I can often try to infer it, and often I am wrong on mm-hmm. why you did it. But I don't know why. Why? God. Well, and as I was going to say, even the um, the images that Nathan you alluded to that we get in the scriptures, you know, there's that legal uh, image that is given of justice being done and then you know all of the punishment of sin coming down on Jesus which is a correct way mm-hmm. to view that uh, like you said earlier there's always a what if or a loophole or a well again back to your question Ed well why does it have to be that way God you know right. couldn't you have made it any other way and then we try to box God into this thing of saying well there was no other way to do it and God we somehow forced God's hand which makes him not God right so even those images run out of steam at some point when you run them all the way forward. Well, and when you get down right down to it, and again, I don't, I don't want to make too much about the language it, it's, itself. When Paul, Paul says Jesus was crucified from the creation of the world, so mm-hmm. technically then God knew Jesus was going to be crucified before there had been sin. Yes. Again, I don't understand all that. I don't either. I don't understand all that, but that's what Paul says. From the foundation of the world. Now, he could be talking about this event that took place at mm-hmm. the foundation of the world. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what he's talking about. But I want to have a good why on all of that. And even this thing of justice and atonement, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm atoning for something. It's a justice thing. Mm-hmm. There's another analogy used of ransom. We're being right. held that's captive. That's right, yep. And he's he's a ransom, mm-hmm. so that's another way to look at it. Which there's no justice in a ransom. That's right, <laughs> right. It's, somebody has taken something that doesn't belong, is holding them for something. So, well, and God's the one that's ran- he's not ransoming us from himself. No, he no. the idea. he's not holding us <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So he's Jesus' death is ransom. He's paying a ransom for us. So there are these images of what is taking place when Jesus. And again, by the question, and it may have been me that did this, and you heard me teach it this way, that thing of an animal had to die and why God killed the innocent animal. I've actually taught that creation part of it that way. I'm not sure I would teach it that way these days as my understanding of Scripture. And Mm -hmm. that, that question is building on a systematic theology that's not necessarily in the text. Right. You know, well, it, yeah. it might be implied. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm not no. saying that. I'm saying the text itself does not say God killed the animal as a covering for their sin. It's a, for covering for their body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I was going to say is I think even, even when we talk about, so you use language like Jesus uses 
a legal metaphor, or not Jesus, and Paul uses a legal yes. metaphor at one point. Jesus uses ransom right. language. And Paul he- also uses the victory model yeah, of, yes. of, of defeating the powers of sin, exactly. death, and exactly. Satan. Right. right. But all of those images are human images. They come from, th- you know, the legal system that he's talking about is a human system. Ransom is obviously a human. They're tr- They are trying to take something that happened in heavenly spiritual realities and say, here's a way you can understand it in this. Because another way that that Paul used it when we talk about this, I'm reading a book on this right now, which I think is interesting, is the language of grace and faith is language that comes from what is called a patronage line, which is someone who does a gift for someone else. The best way that this person explained it, which makes total sense, is if you've ever seen the beginning of The Godfather, uh, Mm. that when they come and they say, hey, I need you to do a favor for me, and he goes, one day I'm going to call on a favor from you. That was the way old families, and not biological, this was all different kinds of people, people that worked for you, people who were just close to you. The person who had resources or had power, had influence, would do a favor as a gift to someone, and that was referred to as charis or what we call grace and it was a gift but it was understood that when i give this gift you'll be aligned with me you'll be in allegiance to me and paul says that that's what's happening on the cross that god is giving us a free gift that we can't earn which is grace we give and the greek word would have been pistis which is faith Faith. in response and that's me saying i now will trust you but by trust doesn't mean just accept what you mean it means I'm now on your team. Whatever you need you. me to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it for you because you did this for me. All of that is using cultural language to explain the kind of relationship that now exists between us and God because of what Jesus did. It isn't this step-by-step, if you want to do for yourself what God is, or, you know, like, here's how you can repeat what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. That's That wasn't even on their mind because the idea was, you don't really need to know how it happened. You just need to trust that it did happen and that you have to now live differently because of it. And so when you talk about even the language of um, killing of an animal, we know that that isn't just a, it wasn't just a Jewish thing that happened. Yeah. That was something that all cultures oh, they, did. Yeah. Sacrifice was a normal part of that because, and I think this we do know when you talk about why death, we don't know the why, but we do know, and I think, uh, Jason's preaching a message on this in a couple a couple weeks from when we're filming this. I don't know when when in relation. Might be the but, very week of this. Yeah, maybe, maybe the week. Here. But Jason used the language of there's Paul when he's talking about it, says the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. That there's a cost mm-hmm. that is applied to death to sin. But I think every culture knows it's inherent to us, yep. which is why there's always this feeling of some kind of sacrifice we have to do, even non-Judeo-Christian um, societies understand this idea of like penance, of this idea that I have to, I've, I've done, even karma is a part of that. It's this idea of I've done a bad thing, so something bad eventually is going to have to happen to me. It's this understanding there's a cost applied to the bad things I've done, yep. and God is working within that framework and helping us understand his relationship by saying there is a cost applied to the wrong things you do. In, in this yeah. case, it's death. And I've, I've recently been reading two of my favorite scholars right now, uh, Greg Boyd and N.T. Wright, and they are, they both talk about this kind of thing of um, every everything we see, especially in the Old Testament, that God is doing within the nation of Israel, particularly this animal sacrifice thing, which, mm-hmm. like you said, was going on already. It wasn't something God invented. <laughs> no. It was happening within the cultures. He's taking that and accommodating 
to the culture or condescending, as we use that word, right. coming down into the culture and saying, okay, let me take what this practice you already have here, and I'm going to reframe that and help you see more of who I am right? by using it where they are in the moment of history that they're in and not, you know, because you can't take them all the way there. You're, you're, it's an accommodation every single time. So the same thing with this whole idea of death and sacrifice is not that God said, well, there's no other way can, to do this. Sure. You know, he got boxed in or this is it. This is the legal way that it because he's the one that made the law. So, so you know right. what I mean? He's he's looking at what the culture is is saying and he's he's stooping to that and helping them understand through that language. That's yeah. right. And I think all of that is just an important way to understand. We we have this idea. I, I think this is going to come up in our next questions, too, yeah. that. We often bring ide- our own ideas about God to the Bible, and then we have done that for so long, we tend to think, well, that's just the way it has to be. In, in this case, of, there's, for some of us, we go, well, that just doesn't, it seems like God would just create the system himself and make us all do it. He wouldn't come in and accommodate, or he mm-hmm. wouldn't come in and use ransom language that was, you know, maybe that was all part of the original thing, and that's why it goes in. And it's this idea that in order for God to be in control, it's almost as everything just has to drop down from the sky as is. But God is a relational God. And we say that we know this for sure. I know this is true in my life, that God meets me where I'm at. Mm -hmm. God meets me where I'm at and goes, I want to relate to you and have this. And so it doesn't take anything away from God's um, wisdom or his strength. In fact, in some ways, I think it adds to it that God's able to come in and be able to, to meet people where they're at. And so we don't, we don't know is the answer as you're yeah. hearing us all fumble through this is we just don't know what happened. We don't know how it happened, but we know. Yeah. But I would say to the questioner again, to try and boil it down to where this all comes down to, what does God want you to see when you see the cross? Mm. And he doesn't want you to look at it as some mechanism, but you know, necessarily, right. although if that helps us understand it, it's fine. Like we've been saying, I think, what it comes down to, I think Jesus framed it very well. He said, greater love has no man than this, and one lay down his life for his friends. Yep. And then he went and did that. So he defined what love looks like in its greatest form. Then he went to the cross and said, here it is. Let me show you. You got, you got, you got a phone call in? Jason, Jason's in a whole gospel presentation here. We got a phone call go up. It happens every time. That's but anyway, right. so so I think what... God intends for us to see when we see him hanging on the cross is is what love looks like. So that yes. and and we know that that's what draws us to trust and faith in him. I think in the end that's what really matters. Well, and even the idea, you know, it's so easy or it seems natural for us to talk about God loving us and God being love. That concept is is exceptionally unique yes. outside of Christianity. That's right. Uh and people don't get that. They, a lot of people, it always is almost humorous to me when an atheist says to me, so if God's a loving God, and I want to go, well, you don't believe that, do you? We gave you that I idea. Mean, I, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. the whole idea is you, you want me to now prove something that you already told me you don't believe, but I mean, right. the idea that God is loving love is a relational term. Right. I mean, by its very nature, it's not... And God, being very just and legalistic, decided that the only way for us to be together was to kill something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's God's loving. Mm-hmm. God is loving by nature, and he's trying to communicate that. And again, 
Anytime you go to the Bible, I remember John Walton, who is my favorite scholar on mm -hmm. the early part of the Bible at Genesis. Mm -hmm. He says you almost you must always realize that entering the world of Genesis is a cross-cultural experience. Yes. We we aren't in we don't belong in that world. The other thought that I always have is God is always cross-culturally <laughs> communicating yep. to us. Yeah. We aren't we aren't like him. I mean, the fact that when we say he's holy, it means he's distinct from us. He is different than us. So God is always communicating to us in a way he has to stoop for us to hear anything from him. Yep. 100%. Well, and I think anyone who's had children understands that because I have found my ability as a communicator get stretched when talking to a five-year-old because I, I, I can explain something correctly. And then say it to them, but I'm using language they don't understand. I'm using concepts they don't understand. And then they go, huh? What? Like that doesn't make it. And then I have to use imperfect analogies to get them to the concept I want them to understand. You know, yep. well, it's like a peanut butter sandwich. Well, it's not at all like a peanut butter right. sandwich, but peanut butter sandwich is what they know. You were conveying truth to them. It just wasn't, it wasn't all the truth. It's just right. the truth they could get. It's mm -hmm. like... If there's a pot of boiling water and I ask a scientist what's going on there, they're going to tell me, well, you know, we're heating up the molecule mm -hmm. there, there to the point of 212 degrees and all that. And I ask you what's happened there, I go, I'm making grits. Right. <laughs> Which one of those is true? They're both true. Right. Mm -hmm. They just, neither one are the complete truth of yeah. what's happening yeah. in that moment. And God's constantly, those analogies of there's a death that brings about life, that's true. There's yes. a ransom taking place. That's yes. true. Mm -hmm. Jesus is conquering the powers of sin. That's true. Mm -hmm. None of those are the complete truth, which is why I now am more comfortable saying something happened on the cross that made us right with God. Yeah. What happened exactly? How it actually? I'm not sure God has been able to give us the full truth because we might not have been able to understand it. Yeah. Something happened. Well, yes. and nothing takes away from the things that matter. Something happened. And my response is clear. Mm -hmm. I trust in that. That's I right. trust in him. What Jason said is he was conveying love for us. Mm -hmm. he, right. Something happened that conveyed God's love for me so that I would trust in him. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and so, if that's where we wind up in the end, that's all that matters. Yes. It is all that matters. Yes. So it really is all that matters. Not that this question doesn't no, matter. No. Great question. Yeah. Great discussion. And it should be had. But at the end of the day, no, that's I trust where we the person that yeah, asked absolutely. it. It was trying to get to a better understanding. And you should. Yeah, you should. And you should go as far as you can in your understanding. Yeah, just mate, know that you're not ever going to really you get You probably there. won't get there. No, and that's okay. And and guess what? We get all of eternity to get there. That's, that's right. To say. So yeah. that'll be fine. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good time doing that. All right. Next question. Actually, um, there are two questions that I combined into one because I think they both hit on the same topic. Jason is accommodating our schedule. I am accommodating. <laughs> and I don't know. It could have been the same person asked the same, these sure. two different questions, but they do uh, deal with the same issue. Hit yeah. them up, Jason. They, is issue, they deal with the same issue, which is Jesus's humanity versus Jesus's divinity. Mm. And if you don't know what that means, Jesus being human, fully human like us, but also being God at the same time, which again is one of those mysteries that we just talked about. But these two questions kind of hit at that and how that works. So we'll we'll talk about both of them in that greater context. So here are the two questions. Uh, they say, I just read where Jesus, as a boy, was in the temple. He, he astounded the teachers. Then Luke, who writes that book, says he grew in knowledge. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is God 
and God knows everything, how could Jesus grow in knowledge? Very good question. That's a great question. Now, the other question is is similar, but in a different direction. If Jesus emptied himself and became fully human and then never sinned, why can't anyone else? Wouldn't he have had to still been fully God at the same time he was on earth? So I guess their question is, how, how did, if Jesus emptied himself and lived a life that without sin, is it not possible that someone else could do the same? And But if he was God, did that give him some advantage to doing that whole thing? So um, let's talk about that whole issue of Jesus' humanity versus his divinity. How does that work? Do we even know? No, we, no, do we not, don't know. No, we do not know. But, but we're going to talk for about 25 we, minutes. Right. We know for sure that it took place because Paul gives us a really eloquent description of it, mm-hmm. that he... He emptied himself. Another way of saying it is he didn't, one of the translators said he did not count his godness to be an advantage. Yes. He did not take advantage of that. He Divine privileges did, is another way he, I've heard. Yes. He emptied himself as he, his divine privileges. So, and we know for sure there are things that happen. You know, one, again, just to quote N.T. Wright, uh, not on this because I haven't ever heard him address this, but he said often the problem we have when people say, um, something about didn't God do is that when people say God is like something, the, the word they think they know what it means is God. And he said, mm-hmm. we don't really know what that word completely means. Yeah. And because we don't completely know what that means, everything else we say is going to have a, a little bit of a question mark to it. He said, you know, we think it means God is always omniscient. He's always omnipresent. He's always all of these things. But if God is all those things, there may be other things he is that we don't know about because he's omniscient. He can do whatever it means. He's all, he's all powerful, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're the ones that have put those words to him to describe the characteristics of him that we see. Well, and I think... We, we don't know for sure. So to say Jesus was fully God and fully man, we know what man is like. Yeah, We don't know that other definition fully. Well, and I think it's important, going back to the last question we had here, we, the how is very tricky because we can't know, but we know what. We know what happened. We know that God came in flesh and blood. He came in human form. He came as a man named Jesus, which that in and of itself boggles the mind, and we talk about it as if it's just like, well, of course. Yeah, of course, he was born in the manger, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was saying this to my daughters when, when we do a Bible story every Saturday, and we're talking about it, and we're talking about Jesus, and I said, just imagine that for a moment, that God, who is infinitely big, which infinitely big just means you, there's no way to contain him. He's so big, you cannot contain him. There are no borders to God. Chose to get as small as an embryo. Right. Chose to get... I mean, that's as contained as you can get, and he chooses to get down into the size of an embryo, and then he grows out to be a baby and then a, and then a child who has to grow in knowledge and wisdom. And I think about, can you imagine Mary? Because here's what we know is he didn't at that moment, there were things he still had to grow in knowledge about, which is very likely Mary had to sit there like I do with my kids and go, stop putting your fingers in your mouth. So, so I'm putting you, you gotta, you gotta put, you know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta grab it like this to eat it or hold your spoon like this. And imagine talking to God who, and that's when you talk about the part of um, the Philippians passage where Paul is talking about emptying himself as divine privileges. It's in context of humility. Right. Imagine the humility that 
God has to sit there with a creature he created who he saw as a baby, you know, pooping its pants and then having to sit there and go, well, I guess you're going to change me now. Like, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. this thing and it almost is. And my girls giggle when we talk about it. And I go, there is something comical about this. And when we don't see that, we talk about it as if it's just this normal thing. And we really want to dress it up because... Here, yes. And here's the thing, you know, that story about Jesus in the temple at a 12-year-old. Growing up in the church that I went to, we'd have these picture books, and here's Jesus, and he's surrounded by these teachers. And it, the picture I have in my mind, I have it really clearly in my mind that I saw in it. It appears that Jesus is teaching the teachers. That's right. But it's really clear when you read Luke, because Luke starts that passage by talking about the fact that Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge. Gives mm-hmm. uses as this story as an indication of that. This right. is his illustration right. of mm-hmm. that. Then he closes that passage by saying, Mary treasured these things up. And the young man continued to grow in favor with God and favor with man. Mm-hmm. So the whole time... He's doing everything God would find favorable mm-hmm. and what other people would find favorable. It wasn't automatic. Right. He, he had to grow in those. Well, and, he comp- and I know what Luke is trying to convey because you can see the way it works. He sets up a statement. He gives an illustration, and then he sums it up at the end. So the fact that we think that Jesus was teaching those dudes, that is not what was happening. Mm -hmm. He was sitting listening to them, and he asked them questions, and they were amazed that a 12-year-old could think of those questions. Mm. Well, because that's how they would engage with one another. He was engaging like a student could, and they go, they look at him and they go, what, this guy's son, this is a carpenter's son. How in the Mm -hmm. world can he engage like all these other students would normally engage? And there's this whole process to that but you know when you talk about luke if, if i remember correctly luke says grow in favor with it but he says grow in wisdom and stature and what mm-hmm. he's doing is he's combining just to go to your point just as jesus had to grow we don't think jesus came out as a 33 year old man from yeah. like baby little you know everyone you know that's the what ricky bobby joke a little right. whatever eight ounce you know eight pounds six ounce baby we understand that jesus had to grow physically mm-hmm. The idea, what what Luke is saying is he also had mental capacities that had to grow. Well, and yeah. I'm convinced that I don't have, just because of putting the whole of the New Testament together, I think Luke is combating Gnosticism with this right. one little story. And those of you who don't understand, first, second, first, second, John, or John, they're all combating. Gnosticism is this belief that it appears like occasionally people still fall into today of Jesus was God. But he wasn't really a dude. Right. That's right. He, he was he was pretending to be. He had sort of he faked was like, or like, like a it. spirit yeah, that he would, was, had, didn't have a body. He took on this body and he wasn't really a man. He wasn't even really a boy. He was just sort of faking it and fooling people. And Luke's going, No, no, he was he was a guy. Mm-hmm. He was a young man. He had to grow mm-hmm. in stature and he grew in knowledge. So that when we later hear in Hebrews. He was tempted every way yes. like you are. You can have confidence. He was tempted every way like you are, yet he did not sin, which mm. gets to the second, the second question. It's the second question. So my answer to the second question, though the Bible does not explicitly say this, is yes, I do think human beings could have fulfilled the nature of the law. No one got it done. Mm-hmm. Well, never, never, never did, never yeah, will. It doesn't yeah. appear like anybody's going to mm-hmm. make that. But, you know, there's, I think another part of this humanity, which goes to the temptation part too, is I think we, 
And we don't, it's this weird, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word for it. It's this weird thing where we have somehow overinflated humanity to some degree. Like there's this version of like humanism that exists that humans are just inherently great and we can get to a place where we don't need religion and stuff because we'll just all inherently be morally good. Like babies will just come out and they won't be hateful and all this kind of stuff. There's that version. But I think by and large where most of us live is we have this very undignified view of humanity that we're almost just clumps of cells and brain chemistry and blood and bone and and what Jesus is doing is, and I think that's why when you have, like, little kids can have these questions, and even I here on a podcast, church podcast, feel this, but my little kids will go, do you think Jesus farted? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it feels so undignified yeah. to say that about Jesus. And then I go, yeah, probably, because... It's the way our stomachs work. Well, yeah. and, that's, and that's what I say. But there's this, right, but it feels that way when you say it, because it feels like mm-hmm. you shouldn't say that about Jesus, because what Jesus is doing by becoming human is he's he's upping the dignity of humanity. Yeah. God he's redeeming humanity. Yes. He comes in yeah. human form. Because I talk to my kids about that. They, we get these pictures of Jesus as a kid, and I think, I said to one of my girls, and she was sitting there, and she has those things, you skin your knees, and this is one of my little girls who I have one little girl who needs to cry a little less. I have another little girl who never wants to cry because she thinks I need to be tough about everything. And I said to her when she skinned her knee, I said, you know, I bet Jesus one time when he was a little boy, I think of that Rich Mullins song Mm -hmm. where he he skins his knees and he tries not to cry Mm -hmm. because, and we think of that as, well, that's not very dignified to think of Jesus or that Jesus one time had a cold or a stomach bug or that one day Jesus had to go through puberty and, and that maybe one day Jesus had acne. And that one day, all these things that we look at and we just kind of see as these parts of ourselves that we don't want to talk, and we see them as weakness, and we see them as bad. And that Jesus enters into that and goes, there's a way to, to live like God, mm-hmm. to be like God in the midst of puberty. Yep. Or in the midst of a skin knee, and you just want to, you're so insecure about it. And I think, I'm so thankful that, that Jesus did, you know, people often talk about, why didn't Jesus just come and, die on the cross and make the whole thing. There's a level of redeeming yeah. humanity and showing to us. Well, the whole of, you can't read the Bible. If the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus, which we believe it is, then you can't see that God has always wanted to work with humans. And ultimately the incarnation is the fulfillment of all of yes. that. He, is, he came to be, he created humans for us to enter into the relationship with it. It's always been relational. And this is just the final thing. It's, I think, I think we miss so much of even the question of couldn't somebody do it? The implied, it feels like the implication is, well, you know, that's not possible. No human being could ever do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think now we're taking humanity down to, we're, yes. just, we're, we're really just animals, you know? Yeah. Well, all we can do is react to our urges. And if you get mad, you're going to do stuff you don't right. want to do. But you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's that old phrase, you know, well, I'm only human. Right. And, well, that, and then Jesus that's offensive to God, I believe. Well, well, well because, it's offensive to Jesus because yeah. one, uh, and I can't remember, you know, you were talking, the, the, the verbiage you used for the Bible is the Bible Project's language. And I remember they did a video about this new humanity. And right. I think I played it. I know I played it for students. I can't remember if I played it here. But one of the images they use is that Jesus is showing us what humanity really is. That's right. This is always what we are. So when you say things like, and I mean, when people say things yeah. like, you know, to err is human or mm-hmm. this idea of, of that I'm, that I'm uh, only human and I'm going to mess mm-hmm. up. The idea is no, Jesus is saying, no, this is what humanity looks like. Patience 
and kindness mm-hmm. and all of these things. And there's a way to be this. And to, so to answer the question about, is it possible? What, and I love the illustration of the Bible project because they're animation. So you can see it better, but they talk about Jesus is the first human because he's fully God, that he's able to live in the kingdom of heaven at the same time while walking on earth. And so he's able to live in the will of God at all times that he perceives when you talk about natural reactions, Jesus natural reaction to anger and temptation where mine may be to punch you back in the face because he's living he believes I'm living in the, the full kingdom of God. It's not that the temptation doesn't come into his head, but the temptation is not as um, natural to him as extending love or extending right. peace or extending kindness. He's able to live in both kingdoms, and he provides us a way to do the same thing. He says, well, you're invited into this kingdom. When we said, I think, on a couple podcasts ago, that part of the, the goal of the Christian life is to allow... Jesus to train me to become that type of person. Yeah, to do what so he that, did. So that I am fit for the kingdom when it finally yes. comes in its fullness. That's I am the right. type of person that can exist in that kingdom. Not to say that I don't have a long way to go and won't still need to be perfected at the end of my life, but that is the trajectory I'm on. Well, and the, I, you and I had this conversation just a couple days ago about you have been around older believers who it does seem like their reactions don't make sense. And you know it's because of this training that they've gone through their whole life of training themselves to live so fully in the with God life or the kingdom of God or in Christ, all these different languages for it, that the way, but that, that their, their new natural reactions are not something that would have been when they were 20. And you and I talked about that doesn't just happen because you got older. Mm-mm. No, I don't. I I make it a habit now because I am older, and people go, "You you you've gotten wise as you got older." And I said, "Well, those are coincidental. Old and wise <laughs> don't go together because you and I both know a lot of old stupid people, yep. <laughs> and a lot of old really not nice people. That's right. I mean, right. And this person I was talking to works at a retirement home. I said, because mm. I guarantee you, every day you see old men." that your young nurses don't want to be around mm-hmm. they're and they're an embarrassment to their family. Mm-hmm. That that's naturally what happens. That is. That's yeah. naturally yeah. what happens, but you don't have to have that happen. Mm-hmm. It, that doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I, there is a different way to do life. And I think Jesus just chose it. He says, I only do what I see the father does. And that, that came at 30, yeah. but he mm-hmm. grew into that. He, yeah. yeah. So I think it is possible. Mm. Yeah, sure. I think it is possible. It is definitely. I know for sure it is possible for Jesus to overcome natural tendencies because mm-hmm. it has happened in my life. Mm. Yes, Amen. All right, that's it for us today. We'll be back next week with uh, more questions, more headlines, which I know y'all are excited. I about. am excited about. So we will get into that next week. See you guys then. <laughs>